The next point after this is that Hazrat Muslim one who explained that what is described here is that they fill their bellies with nothing but fire. And what Allah Ta'ala says to us here is that the evil actions that we do, they create a hell and a punishment for us within ourselves. It is not something externally that comes to destroy us, but it is something internally that takes away from our righteousness. Now, sometimes people, they ask questions about why Allah Ta'ala, God forbid, is a punishing God in Islam. Why does he control our behavior by forcing us to do certain things? And if we don't do them, then by externally punishing us for those actions and torturing us for having made those mistakes. The assumption is that perhaps Allah Ta'ala is a being who forces his will on us without any wisdom. You know, in the same way that a torturer sets arbitrary rules and says that if you break these rules and this is the punishment and torture you will receive. So people imagine that that is also the way Allah Ta'ala behaves. But Allah Ta'ala describes in the Holy Quran that the actions that we do, it is as if we have taken fire into our bellies and those actions create torment internally. It is not externally something that happens. It is not Allah Ta'ala imposing an external punishment onto us. It is a natural result of our actions. So when a person thinks that Allah Ta'ala has artificially and externally tortured people for their actions, they have misunderstood the whole philosophy of punishment in Islam. A punishment is something that is a result of our own actions. It is a spiritual illness that is created because of a mistake that we have made. So when a person does something that is a spiritual fault or a spiritual harm, then the natural consequence of that is that he suffers. In the same way we have discussed many times before that when a person eats unhealthy food, then it creates a fire in his belly. Of course it does. Now, if a person eats far too many sweets, then it creates a fire in his belly that destroys the organ that regulates the sugar in his body. If a person eats food that is spicy or poisonous, it creates a fire in his belly. It is not that Allah Ta'ala or our parents then punish us and beat us for having eaten the food that is unhealthy, that the, the food is a punishment in and of itself. So when Allah Ta'ala says in this verse of the Holy Quran that مَا يَأْكُلُونَ فِي بُطُونِهِمْ إِلَّا النَّارِ that they do not eat and consume into their bellies except for fire, then that philosophy of the punishment of Islam is described as well. After this, the next point that Hazrat Muslim one who described was on the point of these words of Allah Ta'ala that وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ that Allah will not speak to them on the day of judgment. And this is a severe punishment of Allah Ta'ala which is described. Now Allah Ta'ala has created us in His image. And so many of the different characteristics that we have as human beings are found as a reflection of the being of Allah Ta'ala and His attributes. And we observe in human behavior that the greatest form of anger that someone can show to someone else verbally, to verbally express anger to someone else is to refuse to speak to them, to cease speaking with them. For children, this is the most difficult thing that can happen to them. When parents are angry at them, when they scold them, when they yell at them, whatever it is that they do, those things are all bearable on a certain level. But when a parent gets so fed up with their child that they say that now I'm not going to speak with you at all, that is something that is most painful for the child. If we look back at our own childhood, we can remember having heard that from our parents and how hurtful it is, how much of a punishment it is that now I've crossed that much of a line that now my parents or my mother is not even going to speak to me. So this is a great punishment for a person that Allah Ta'ala even refuses to speak to that person. Because at least an expression of anger is an expression in a way of that person being concerned with us, of that person caring for us. But to ignore someone is the greatest expression of indifference and 
contempt that a person can show to another human being. Because now we are not even bothered with that person and we do not even give them enough value to show them anger. At least when we showed them anger initially, it was carried in itself an expression that, hello, at least I care about you enough to show anger to you. But when we don't even show anger to that person, it is even lower level of contempt than the other one. So when Allah Ta'ala says that on the Day of Judgment, He will not even speak to them, He will not even express anger to them in that sense that uh, He will not even uh, converse with them. In, in other verses of the Holy Qur'an, we see that Allah Ta'ala converses with the disbelievers. He asks them, He calls to them and says that, Why is it that you rejected the messengers when I sent them to you? That is a conversation. But for a certain category of disbelievers, that conversation will not exist at all. And that in itself is a most painful and severe punishment. This also gives us insight into why the Holy Prophet ﷺ taught in a hadith and placed a great restriction on us and said that it is not permissible for any Muslim to refuse to speak to his Muslim brother for a period of more than three days where they see one another and then they turn away from each other. But before that period of three days, they must say salam to the other. They must break that silence. So this hadith establishes a bare minimum of interaction that has to exist. It does not allow for our hostilities to go past a certain level when it comes to the brotherhood and sisterhood that we must have as Muslims. If Muslims, brothers and sisters, cease to talk to each other and they show this highest level of anger to each other and it is just let to go on for ages and ages, then what is left of that brotherhood and sisterhood? So this ceasing to speak to each other is extremely dangerous. People don't have the stamina to keep yelling at each other. If they're constantly communicating, people don't have it in them to just keep on fighting and yelling at each other. At a certain point, they resolve their differences. For people to be in a volatile and hostile relationship with each other is not quite as bad. But when people become so angry that they refuse to talk to each other, that's something that can carry on as contempt for years and years. Because it's easy to do. It is a silent type of contempt. It creates fissions and fractions in society. So the Holy Prophet wasallam said that this level of anger, which is an extremely high level of anger, that وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ is something that Allah Ta'ala has reserved on the Day of Judgment only for the most severe of disbelievers. And in our human relationships, it is a type of punishment that should only be reserved for the most extreme situations. It is not something that should be used lightly. And a Muslim is not permitted to remain uh, separated from his brother and refused to talk to him for more than three days. So this is a point that we can keep in mind as well. If a person is angry at someone and has not spoken with them out of anger, then we must swallow our ego and then take the initiative and say salam to that person. It is not permissible for us to carry on those hostilities. Another point on this is also, you know, some people they ask that, you know, parents sometimes they refuse to speak to their children for years and years. They say that since my child has done this, then, you know, I'm not going to speak to them. So people ask the question that what if your child was turned out to be homosexual? Would you stop speaking to them? What if your child decided they don't want to be Muslim? Would you cease speaking to them? Would you cut them off? You know, what if they, you know, just, just seeing that what are the boundaries that we have that we would cut off our children? When it comes to parents cutting off their children, that is a personal choice that that parent makes. This is something that exists in human relationships. If parents can show anger to their young children by saying, I'm not going to speak to you for a while to express anger to them, then parents can sometimes do that to their adult children as well. It doesn't mean that the parent is now forcing their children against the free will of that child. Every parent has a right to express their displeasure towards their children. So this is also one answer to that question that people sometimes ask. You know, sometimes people abuse this, and anytime their child disagrees with them, they say, I refuse to talk to you 
That's something that shouldn't be done, but every parent has a right to punish their children in whatever way they want. Now, if a child decides to not be a Muslim, then there is no necessary repercussion there. Of course, if a, parent, if a child becomes a disbeliever and starts insulting our religion, then we have a right to be angry. But if a child says that I no longer want to be Muslim, I no longer want to be Ahmadi, I no longer want to be part of the Jamaat, then that doesn't mean that the parents have to cut them off now. Huzur hasn't given that teaching. If a person thinks that that is the correct way to approach it, that is their own personal cultural approach. That is a cult-like approach to Ahmadiyya, then it is completely wrong and forbidden. If our child decides that they don't want to be Ahmadi anymore, they respectfully leave the Jamaat, then we can continue perfectly in our relationship with them. We continue in our sympathy that we have for anybody in the world that we wish to try and bring them to the right path. We wish to convince them of the truth. We continue our human and family responsibilities to them. If we have a family member, an uncle, or anybody else who is not an Ahmadi, who is a disbeliever, it doesn't mean we cut them off. We continue to have family ties with them and we continue to fulfill our responsibilities. So if one of our children, God forbid, says that I no longer want to be Ahmadi, then that does not mean that they are now excommunicated. That is a freedom of religion that they have. And any individual who for cultural reasons goes into cult-like behavior, that person goes against the will of Islam and the will of the Khalifa and damages themselves and damages their own uh, relationship unnecessarily. And this is not a means of reform and this is not according to the freedom of religion that Islam has taught. Now the next verse is verse number 176 of Surah Al-Baqarah and 177. Allah Almighty says that it is they who have taken error in exchange for guidance and punishment for forgiveness. How great is their endurance of the fire? That is because Allah has sent down the book with the truth and surely they who disagree concerning the book are gone far in enmity. In commentary, Hazrat Muslima, one who explained this expression, فَمَا أَسْبَرَهُمْ عَلَى How patient they are in the fire. This is a very poetic and beautiful expression that expresses the pain that the people in the hereafter will be in when they realize their mistakes. And also how oblivious they are to it beforehand. And Allah Ta'ala who is the all-knowing being and any person who is given knowledge of that, even a person who is a true righteous person who has a certainty about the hereafter. This is an expression that expresses the surprise that a person has of that certainty about the future. A person who sees the hereafter as, it is, as if it is happening in the present world, in the way that Allah Ta'ala wants us to experience it. Now, Islam has promised us a jannatan, two paradises, one that begins in this world. So a believer begins to see heaven and hell in this world. So when a true believer sees that hereafter with the eye of certainty, and then we see that disbelievers are going towards that severe punishment that they consider to be nothing but a delusion or maybe a conjecture, but we see it with certainty and we see that they are running towards it so oblivious. And they are putting themselves into suffering not only in the next life but in this life as well. In the way that people who run towards materialism, they suffer from chronic depression, insomnia, those who are most famous and successful are the most miserable in our society. They put themselves into that, into that misery and that regret and that pain in this life itself. So naturally this expression comes from our hearts that from how patient they are with the fire. They put themselves into suffering deliberately 
knowingly and they keep on pursuing a path that leads to greater misery and depression and unhappiness in this life. On the surface, this is a poetic expression that it seems as if they enjoy that fire, that they are so patient with that fire, that they have become so accustomed to that suffering that now they have a great deal of courage to forbear that fire that Allah Ta'ala, that comes from Allah Ta'ala. So this is an expression of surprise which demonstrates an emotion which Allah Ta'ala wishes that to convey to us that we develop within our hearts. And also it is an emotion that can only come from a level of certainty that we carry within our hearts. When we know with certainty that Islam has come with the truth, and not only know it with certainty, but we have experienced it, then we see that when a person goes against it, then they buy misguidance and sell the guidance that they have. They exchange forgiveness for the punishment from Allah Almighty. And when we know that the, the, the truth that Allah Ta'ala has sent down with the book is the absolute al-haq, it is the truth, and that those who disagree with it have gone far in enmity, then that certainty creates this condition within the heart of a believer, which is a natural condition that exists in the heart of every believer. So this expression is something that is a point of pause, and it is something that has to be read not with our minds, but with our hearts. And when we read those words with our hearts, then it creates the condition which Allah Ta'ala wishes to happen when we do tilawat of the Holy Qur'an. This also reminds us of why it is that the Holy Prophet taught that when we recite the Holy Qur'an, at certain verses we should pause to praise Allah Almighty. Other verses we pause to glorify Allah Almighty. In other verses we pause to seek the forgiveness of Allah Almighty. What this means is that when we are engaged in our recitation, then this is the natural reaction that a person has to their recitation. It doesn't mean that a person out of taqalluf forces themselves to observe different prayers. We said of Azifa that after this many verses I'm going to recite this prayer. We do it as a formality. That's not the purpose. The purpose is that when we recite the Holy Qur'an, then as a result of the condition that, is, that the recitation creates within our hearts, then spontaneously the seeking of forgiveness comes and the glorification of Allah Ta'ala comes and the extolling His greatness and glory and praise comes from within our hearts. So it is a natural reaction. The next verse is verse number 178. I'll just go over a point of tafsir on the opening words of this verse that it is not righteousness that you turn your faces to the east or the west, but truly righteous is he who believes in Allah and the last day and the angels and the book and the prophets and spends his money for love of him on the kindred and the orphans and the needy and the wayfarer and those who ask for charity and for the ransoming of captives. The verse continues to describe many other good deeds. But the point that Hazrat Muslim made is on the first couple of words in this verse, that turning towards the east or the west is not a source of righteousness. Now this is something that was described earlier in the context of this verse, that the Qibla was described, that the direction that we face for Qibla is to be changed from Jerusalem towards Mecca. And also, as we explained, that in this was also a lesson that this verse does not just teach about the changing of Qibla for prayer, but it means that everything that the Muslims do should be for the purpose of gaining victory. 
and the jihad which they are fighting to defend their freedom of religion is something that eventually will lead to conquer those people who attack them, those people who overpower and outnumber them in many cases. But they would be successful in that endeavor. But Allah Ta'ala reminds Muslims here that the jihad that they wage and the great victories that are promised to them, they are not the objective in and of themselves. In fact, when Muslims fulfill this commandment for the sake of Allah Almighty, and the great help of Allah comes and they start achieving victories and wealth and kingship and all the different wealths of the world come to them, then a very dangerous trial is encountered in that then a person gets distracted by the world and they forget about the means by which they earned Allah Ta'ala's pleasure in the first place. They forget about the way in which that victory was achieved in the first place. And that leads to inevitable failure. When a person forgets about and abandons the path to success, then he loses his success. There is only failure for him after that. And this is a pattern of human behavior that repeats itself on an individual level and on a social level. <clears throat> when people achieve success, and it is through hard work, it is through difficulty, it is through humility. But then success causes all those attributes, those exact attributes to disappear. Hard work is replaced by laziness. Success causes laziness. Humility is replaced with arrogance. All those attributes that were developed in the humility of failure are then very difficult to maintain unless consciously done while a person is in a state of success. This is what happens in individual failures. When a person achieves individual success in life, then he becomes a victim of his own laziness and his own arrogance and a victim of his own success. And this happens on a national level as well. When a nation achieves success and they receive wealth and all these different types of things, then gradually and slowly they start to forget about those qualities that are necessary and which led them to success in the first place. So Allah Ta'ala has taught here that remember that righteousness is not in the victories that you achieve in the East and the West. Those victories are not righteousness. The reward that we receive from Allah Ta'ala is not righteousness. It is the actions that we did to achieve those rewards is righteousness. That is what the essence of good deeds is. Now, this also is a point, reminds me of a point that is the Masih said, he said that you will not be asked on the day of judgment how many revelations you received and how many true visions and dreams you saw. Those are a reward, but those rewards are not righteousness. It is the actions that we did which led to those rewards that is righteousness. So even on individual spiritual struggles, when people start to consider their reward from Allah Ta'ala as being their righteousness, they become misguided. Even saints have become misguided because of this point. That they thought that now I have received revelation from Allah Ta'ala. Now Allah Ta'ala has praised me in these words, in the revelation that someone else received. This saint received these words, this prophet saw this dream about me. So now this reward means that now that reward is a righteousness. That it is something good that I have done, that it is something that secures me in some way or the other. And they forgot about the means that led towards that righteousness. It was the humility and the struggle. And so people have destroyed themselves spiritually on an individual level because of this. In our individual prayers, we make this mistake as well. We have a prayer in which we feel pleasure and communion with Allah Ta'ala. And we forget that the only reason we felt that communion was because of the humility and complete despair that we felt before when we, when we succumbed and we submitted to Allah Ta'ala and broke down before Him. But because we forget about that feeling and we only concentrate on the pleasure that we had in communion with Allah Ta'ala and we think that is the righteousness that we so often fail to be able to recreate that communion with Allah Ta'ala afterwards. So on a national level, this is something that affects people as well and in a very negative way and it is much harder to control because on an individual I can control myself. But on a national level to do tirbiyat of an entire jamaat and an entire nation, 
and to stop these weaknesses from creeping into them, that is very difficult. So Allah Ta'ala reminds us that the victories that will happen in the East and the West that are destined, those rewards that Allah Ta'ala will give, they are not righteousness at all. The righteousness is in all these things that are described in this verse. The faith that a person has in Allah on the last day that gives them, and the faith that a person has in the Allah and the angels and the books and the prophets, which gives them the conviction to sacrifice their wealth and their lives and everything for the sake of achieving these objectives. That is the key to success. And if a person holds on to that root that led them to success, then it is only success that is in their future, one success after the other. But when a person forgets about those keys and those means to success and only thinks that his righteousness is in the rewards that he has received and only failure is destined for him, he has already reached his pinnacle and now it is a gradual downfall from that point and only failure is in his destiny. So Allah Ta'ala has taught us the keys towards success and what to hold on to and what to keep in our perspective. So now if there's any questions on what we have covered then or on anything in general we can address them. If there's no questions and we can end here and inshallah we'll continue tomorrow. I think we had a little bit of technical difficulties. We usually start at 540 or a little bit before 540 but uh, today I think we started a little bit late but um, hopefully we'll be consistent with the 540. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Ali Muhammad wa barik wa sallim innaka khamidun majid.